Today I'd like to reflect on two themes from the readings, coming from darkness into light and following everything and dropping everything to follow Jesus. I'm using the word reflection because I recently learned from Lillian, who gave us that wonderful reflection on Mary a few weeks ago, that a sermon given by a lay person is a reflection rather than a homily. <laughs> the last time I delivered a reflection was in the summer of 2020. And, as luck would have it, it was also on Zoom. It was during the time of COVID. Hospitalizations and deaths from COVID were mounting and the vaccine was not yet being administered. Those were dark times. Fast forward to today, more than two years later, COVID is still with us and we face ongoing choices about masking and vaccines. Even more worrying is how much we don't know about COVID. Will there be more surges? Will the variants keep evolving? What are the effects of long-term COVID? The darkness continues. The first reading from Isaiah says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. When I was 12 years old, my father died unexpectedly, and I decided that I would not mourn. It was too sad and too hard. Of course, I did mourn over the years, but I resisted. During my 74 years, I have received many blessings and experienced much joy. Like everyone, I have also experienced dark times and sadness. While working on this reflection, it occurred to me that throughout my life, I have resisted the idea of darkness and suffering. I've been in denial. It's not fair that these things happen. Maybe if I complain about it, I'll be distracted. I try to deny the darkness and suffering because I can't always solve or fix the problem. At the end of the Gospel reading today, we heard the proclamation, hear what the Spirit is saying to the Church. When I prepared this reflection, though it's to be shared with others, I found that I am the one most in need of the message. It's as if the Spirit is saying, Debbie Bonatsky, hear what the Spirit is saying to you. You really need this lesson. The first noble truth of Buddhism is that existence involves suffering. Suffering is our response to the pain in life. Jack Kornfield, a Buddhist teacher, tells us there is personal suffering, such as depression, grief, fear, and anger, and collective suffering, which grows greed, hatred, and ignorance, bringing warfare, racism, hunger, sickness. The first noble truth calls upon us to understand and transform individual and collective suffering. Kornfield described the Buddhist teaching of two arrows. The first arrow is the initial event itself, the painful experience. It has happened. We cannot avoid it. The second arrow is the one we shoot into ourselves. This arrow is optional. We can add to the initial pain a contracted, angry, rigid, frightened state of mind, or we can learn to experience the same painful event with less identification and aversion, with a more relaxed and compassionate heart. Thomas Merton echoed this theme when he said, in a world of tension and breakdown, it's necessary for there to be those who seek to integrate their inner lives not by avoiding sorrow and anguish and running from their problems, but by facing them in their naked reality and ordinariness. 
Shivra reminds us that darkness is always present alongside the light. Because pure light can blind us, we need shadows for seeing. He goes on to say that the church has struggled with the idea of darkness over the years. It wants to exist in perfect light where God alone lives. He lists the various ways the church has dealt with darkness throughout human history and without, throughout Christian history and concludes we're hardwired to avoid the human mystery, that we all are a mixture of darkness and light. He says, there are no perfect institutions and no perfect people. There is only the struggle to behold. Patience comes from our attempts to hold together an always mixed reality. Grateful people emerge in a world rightly defined where even darkness is no surprise, but an opportunity. Joe Chinister talks about the value of going through darkness and the opportunity it provides. She says, there is a light in us that only darkness can illuminate. It is the growing calm that comes over us when we finally surrender to the ultimate truth of creation, that there is a God and we are not it. Life is not about us. We are about the project of finding life. Our experiences learned from journeying through the darkness can help others on their journey. She says everyone has a responsibility to leave this world better than they found it. Everyone needs to carry light into the darkness of the world around them so that others too may follow and find their way. Isaiah's reading is repeated in the gospel as a, prophe a prophecy that was fulfilled. The main focus of today's gospel is following Jesus. Jesus is walking along the sea and calls fishermen to follow him. Come follow me, he says, and I will make you fishers of humankind. This version is much preferable to the King James Version many of, many of us grew up with, which refers to fishers of men. All four men to whom Jesus called immediately abandoned their boats and nets and followed Jesus. James and John even left their father behind. Jocelyn Colleen, who has written in Catholic Women Preach, asked these questions. How would you react if Jesus were standing in front of you right now? Would you go with Jesus? He is a traveling healer, walking all over the country, meeting people no one wants to talk to. He roams the streets. Could you spend your life living in a tent like a migrant or a person who is unhoused to be with those on the margins? When I first heard similar questions, I was probably a Lutheran teenager. I was a devout Lutheran with devout Lutheran parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles. Despite all this devoutness, I was stunned by this question. You want me to do what? If I were asked this question today, I might say, well, I, I don't know. What would I do with my house? Would I rent it or sell it? I don't even like camping, and I have a bad back and creaky knees, so I absolutely have to have a good mattress. You know I can't live without running water and indoor plumbing, followed by a large number of other reasons why it wouldn't be feasible for me to go with Jesus. But we don't have to go on the road to follow Jesus, although this might sound like a rationalization since I just gave you a whole bunch of reasons why I couldn't follow Jesus on the road, but to follow him, we do have to change our lives. Christian historian Diana Butler Bass tells us that during the first five centuries, Christianity was primarily a way of life in the present, not a system of doctrine or beliefs. Richard Rohr differentiated between believing in Jesus and following him. If our focus is wor worshiping Jesus, 
we become a religion of belonging and believing. If we follow Jesus, we are a religion of transformation. A religion of transformation focuses on change, changing ourselves into more and more of whom God is calling each of us to be, and changing the world around us into a more hospitable place for all of God's creatures. Joan Chittister says the question, what will you do, is at the core of spiritual maturity, of spiritual commitment. Christianity requires, as well, that we each be so much a prophetic presence that our corner of the world becomes a better place because we have been there. She talks about a spirit-directed life. Galatians 5.22 reminds us of the importance of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We know that the spirit-directed life demands our commitment to work on the big things, feeding the hungry, opposing oppression, fighting sexism, racism, homophobia, and economic slavery. But it's also the way we treat others and interact with them on a daily basis, really listening for the sake of understanding and learning and respecting different views. Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh best sums up how to interact with others. When you plant lettuce, if it does not grow well, you don't blame the lettuce. You look for reasons it is not doing well. It may need fertilizer or more water or less sun. You never blame the lettuce. Yet if we have problems with our friends or family, we blame the other person. But if we know how to take care of them, they will grow well, like the lettuce. Blaming has no positive effect of all, nor does trying to persuade using reasoning and argument. That is my experience. No blame, no reasoning, no argument, just understanding. If you understand and show that you understand, you can love and the situation will change. At the beginning of this reflection, I said that I really needed this lesson. So what did I learn today? I learned that you can't resist or deny the darkness, but you need to face it and learn from it to help others through their darkness. I also learned that we don't need to go on the road to follow Jesus. But to be a follower of Jesus, we must live a spirit-directed life and work to make the world a better place in both large and small ways. My lesson can best be summed up by this quote from Mother Jones. In her later years, after her husband and four children died of yellow fever and her dress shop was destroyed by the Great Chicago Fire, she became a labor organizer. She was called the most dangerous woman in America for her success in organizing mine workers. She said, mourn for the dead and fight like hell for the living. You're kind.